Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. I am not Seth. My name's Brian, youth pastor here. If you don't know, I'm only the youth pastor here until the end of the month. Um, my, my family's been called back to Great Falls, like the last place that we wanted to move to. Um, to be honest, I, I felt like I was going to retire here. Bought a house, settled in. I love fishing and hunting. Kind of like church a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so the, the reason I am, I am teaching today or, or preaching or, I don't know, talking to y'all is because Seth had to take his, his vacation um, before I left. And so, well, he didn't have to. That, that's what he chose to do is to, to get that out of the way so the rest of the year he, he's just focused. And so they're actually still like, like close by. They're still here. I think they're camping or something. You could try to find them. Um, but uh, maybe, maybe try not to. It would defeat the purpose of vacation. But it would be funny. So I'll, I'll let you decide. Um, We've been in Acts for quite a while, and we're only to chapter six here. And the, the goal is to go all the way through the book of Acts. So Seth um, talked to me a couple weeks ago, and he said, I'd like you to, to do you know, June 2nd. I'm also going to be here next week uh, doing the, the teaching. And he, he split up these verses uh, for me beforehand. And so this week is Acts chapter six, verses one through seven. And then next week is Acts chapter 6, the rest of it, through the rest of like chapter 7 as well. So it is, it is a large chunk, um, but it's all just one incident with, with Stephen, and we're going to hear about Stephen today. Um, I'd first like to start out, let's, let's read the verses that we're going to be covering in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to have a prayer. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Timon. We're going to say Timon because I like Timon and Pumbaa. Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert of the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Let's pray. Lord, as we go through this section of uh, verses, may you help us unpack them. May you help us give application to not just our lives, but Lord, our our walk with you, our our sanctifying walk with you, the Holy Spirit, uh, through the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, may may we be able to... uh, actually apply these verses um, to, to our daily lives. Lord, can you help us do that? Can you help us to see that? 
Um, and then as we do communion at the end of this service, Lord, may you also bless that. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So I was, I, I was disappointed. I have to tell you, I was disappointed when Seth said, you know, you got to do chapters 6 verses 1 through 7. And maybe some of you might be disappointed right now. You're just like, really? Like these verses where they're just kind of like picking some people to, to feed some people. This is really simple. We can read it and understand for ourselves, and this is what I was thinking. I'm like, well, everybody can just read this, and they know what needs to happen here, and so this is, this is super simple. Why do I need to get up and speak about this for, for several more minutes when we can read in it for about a minute and, and pray and be done? So, have a good Sunday. I no, just kidding. <laughs> But the more I studied, the more I studied, the more I realized there's a lot more here if you take the time to, to, to think about what's going on in this situation. And so um, next week I'm going to show a video uh, about, uh, that are about uh, the first seven chapters of Acts. Uh, and that's kind of how the, the, depending on who you ask, that's how the book of Acts gets split up. It's either the first five or the first seven is the first section of Acts. And so um, the, the first five books, though, uh, so far have been Jerusalem. It's just been inside Jerusalem, what's going on there. The church growth has happened in this city. But then when we, when we read um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is the, the summary of all of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. And so what we find right here in chapter 6 is, is we find the first nudge to push us outside of Jerusalem. This is, this is our first nudge to get outside of Jerusalem and start, start going a little bit further. Um, and so you're gonna see in chapters six through 12, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Judea and Samaria. There's a few things that we need to understand though, is uh, Greek speaking, um, we're called Hellenists. Uh, some of you may have translations that might say Hellenists in it, but they're, they're Greek speaking Jews. And so, Let's make sure that we're all clear here. Um, Christianity comes from Israel, the, the, the Hebrew religion, Jewish religion. And so everybody at the time of Christ, this time, that believed in Jesus, for the most part, were just being better Jewish believers. They were just believing everything that the Old Testament had led up to and that Christ was the fulfillment, as we believe today, Christ was the fulfillment of that prophecy, of God's promise. Um, and so, hold on, there's one thing I just forgot. Uh, whenever I'm up here, I always have a version event. And so if you have your phone, you can open up the, the um, Bible app. And if I did everything right, you, you go to the more tab, you click on events, and if your location's on, it should pop up and you can have notes if you don't have the bulletin. I'm sorry, I totally forgot about that. I meant to, I meant to share that. Um, hopefully I did everything right. If it doesn't come up, you could probably just search the business of the church, because that's what the title for today is, or you can look up Glasgow Evangelical Church, it should pull up. If it doesn't, I'm sorry, that's, that's my fault. So that was a side note. Anyway, we're back to this here. Um, all the believers uh, had, had come from Jewish descent. They were the Israelites. They were the whole Old Testament is the Jewish belief. So if there are uh, Jewish believers today, most of them just don't have the New Testament. They don't believe that Christ fulfilled the prophecy in the Old Testament. And so we have 
the Hellenists, which are Greek-speaking, but most of the Jewish people spoke Aramaic. And so in the, the, the second half of the Bible, the, the large portion of the New Testament is actually written in Aramaic. That's what it's translated from is Aramaic because most of the, the Jewish believers back then, that was their language of the time. And so um, what we have is we have Greek speaking, which was the main language in, in kind of the area, the other main language, and we have Aramaic speaking. And these two groups of Jewish believers were not melding very well. So the first believers would have been Jewish converts, and then the, the, the second, or kind of at the simultaneous time, would have been these Hellenistic, um, Greek-speaking converts. And so in Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 1, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. With rapid growth becomes administrative problems. If, if you start to grow rapidly um, and you don't have the administration behind that growth, you're gonna start having some problems. And so that's what we see. Um, a lot of the scholars will, will tell you that, that this could, this period right now, could be five years from Pentecost. And so these first six chapters um, of Acts are, are about a five-year period of growth just happening in Jerusalem, of Jewish believers being converted, both Greek-speaking and Aramaic-speaking, and, and being converted. And, and there were some other believers, but they were just a, a real small percentage. Um, but we have, we have the first church clicks. We have the first church clicks. And so that brings us to our first slide. And our first note in the back of the bulletin is clicks. This is, this is uh, not my definition. Google uh, is, a, that's the new like Webster dictionary now is, is Google. You just, if you type in define and then any word after that, it'll just pull up the definitions. That's what I did for click. Uh, a small group of people with shared interests or other features in common who spend time together and do not readily allow others to join them. So we have clicks. And it's understandable why they had these clicks. They did not speak the same language, right? They didn't speak the same language. And so these believers that spoke Greek would be over here. These believers that spoke Aramaic would be over here. And it's just naturally how it happened. But the message that we should receive from this is in this room, I'm, I'm going to make a giant leap here. We all speak English. <laughs> right? Raise your hand if you don't speak English. See? <laughs> that was a joke. If you didn't speak English, you wouldn't raise your hand. <laughs> and so um, the, the first exhortation of this would be, do we see cliques in our ministry among English-speaking believers of Christianity, do we see cliques inside this ministry? And by that, do we see small groups of people that have some things in common that aren't very welcoming to other people? Do we see that in this ministry? Do you see that in 
in your life? Could you possibly, at this moment, be part of a clique? If we read back, and I didn't, I didn't get these verses ready, um, but in, in Acts chapter 2, verses um, 44 through 47, some of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we have, we have those verses. And then in chapter 4, verse 32, um, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that they what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. And then we go two verses down from that, verse 34, there was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them. Okay, so we have three separate occasions, and there's probably more, but we have three separate occasions previously in Acts that say everybody's welcome, no one's needy, they share food in their homes. And then we get to five years later, and there's people complaining because they don't feel welcome and they don't have food. And so what message do we at Glasgow Evangelical Church, what message, like the church in Acts here, do we send out to the community? Because this is the message they sent out to the community in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4, is that they're welcoming. Is that everybody has no needs. They, they have food. They have a place to stay. They're all welcome. Do we send out the message to our community in Glasgow, Montana, that all are welcome? Hopefully, hopefully that's what we do. Maybe we don't, and so our problem is even prior to the problem that they're having in Acts. If, we're, if we are not being welcoming, then that's, that's a different problem. But if we are being welcoming, if we do tell everyone, you're welcome, the church is here, it's a great family to be supportive and, and raise your family in. It takes a village to, to raise a family, so come be a part of our church body. But then we have cliques. We have these groups that we don't allow people in. So you can be in this building, but you can't actually be a part of it. And so that's the same type of thing that's going on here in Acts. Here is the message that we're sending out to the world. All are welcome and we are going to take care of you. Together, we're gonna to take care of each other. Not like the church is a handout place, but we love each other, so we're going to support each other. They send this message out, and then when these Hellenistic, these Greek-speaking Jewish believers come, they don't live up to their promise. And so the problem with cliques, if you are a part of cliques, if you have seen a clique in here, if you've seen a small group of people that aren't very welcoming, the problem is, is that they're sending one message and living something else. And a lot of times we, as superficial Christians, do that. We say one thing and we walk something else. So that's, that's the, the first exhortation that, that we're going to come to in these verses. And then, um, I don't know if you noticed, but all of the, the points on the back of the bulletin, they all begin with C's. I want to say that that's probably what took me the longest preparing this sermon. <laughs> um, the goal was to try to make it as memorable as possible. And so if they're all C's, maybe that will help your, your brain, my brain, um, work through it. But the back of the bulletin, uh, the, the, the points. And so the next one we're going to come to is crucial concerns. And so we're going to read uh, verse 2 here. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles who spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. 
That seems pretty simple. Our exhortation is Seth shouldn't have to serve food. <laughs> totally joking. But that is often the, 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 the thing we will take from these verses is we need to make sure that the pastors of our church are, are spending mass amounts of time in prayer in the word. And so we should do all the menial tasks. We should do the serving and we should do this. And that's not what this is saying. It's, it's actually splitting it up in, in two concerns. And so the crucial concerns, the two main concerns of the church, distribution of the word, distribution of food and funds. This is what the church should be concerned about. This, according to Acts chapter six, verses one, well, verses, verse two, is the, the church should first, very first, should be sharing God's word above everything else. And so if we're asking ourselves through this exhortation of this verse, is that your first concern? Not is this Seth's, not is this Brian's, not is this Breezy's, not is this the church council, not is this, is this your first concern? Concern is distribution of God's word. And then the second concern is distribution of food and funds. And so all that's being said here by the apostles is we first need to make sure that the word is taken care of. And we want to spend our time in prayer and, and, and preaching and teaching. But it doesn't say we will never serve food to anyone. We will never do a menial task of, of cleaning up after a Wednesday night dinner. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't say that at all. I, I really feel um, that would be contradictory to the rest of the Bible. And so when you are, are translating and trying to get meaning from verses, if you are pulling out a meaning that seems like it doesn't coexist with other verses in the Bible, you are wrong. Not that verse is wrong, not those other verses are wrong and this one's right. We have to figure out a way in our minds to, to make them work together. And so what it is, is, is pastors should be serving. Pastors should be an example. Leaders of the church should be an example. But their first concern while being an example is the word of God. Not just because they're pastors though. That is everybody's concern. The first concern is the word of God. The second concern is distribution of food and funds. But we definitely see um, in today's church, uh, I've, been a, I've been a member of, of different churches, and so I'm not just specifically talking about this one, but what you will see with pastors is, is the people that do the main distributing of food and funds on a weekly basis are the pastors. People come up to the church, they're the ones that work here, this is the building that they come to, they make a phone call, and you'll see Seth handing out boxes, handing out um, um, vouchers for food, handing out um, gift cards, and, and, and I'm not saying that no one else in this ministry or any ministry I've been a part of does any kind of distributing of, of food, but the vast majority of it, when people are in need and they come to the church, does happen through the pastor. And so the apostles at this time, they were the final say in spiritual matters and community funds, but the primary role for the apostles was witnessing and teaching. This means that the leaders of the church should first be concerned with God's word and then managing food and money second. Now let's go to verses three and four. 
And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. And so this one might be confusing on the back of your bullets, and it says Church Council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L. And then in parentheses it says not Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, but also <laughs> Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L. And so you'll see this, um, church council meaning the, the people that are counseling the church, that are advising the church, that are leading the church. I wanted to make a, a direct point to say you cannot determine who should be on a church council or leadership board based solely on these six verses here, these seven verses here. And so this gives us direction in guiding and counseling the church in the direction it's going to go, but it is not the final word in who should be leading a church. It gives us some, some tips, but there are many other places in, in Timothy, um, in Corinthians, in Ephesians that are, that are going to tell us um, how we, we, we manage and lead a church through um, deacons and elders and different words that, that we use in church here. Deacon is not mentioned in these verses. So this is not like a... a elder is not mentioned in these verses. This is not like... A, a, an approving or disapproving manner. It's just tying in with that. And so they said that leaders should be well-respected, well-respected means a life of honesty. Well-respected means a life of, of truth and honesty and living out to earn that respect. Respect isn't something that you just give to someone. If we imagine that respect is a million dollars, okay, it's a million dollars, and you have possession of a million dollars, and every time you want to give someone respect, you have to give them a million dollars, you are not going to do that as soon as you meet someone. You're probably going to want to get to know them, make sure that they're going to appropriate those funds correctly. And so respect is the same kind of thing. It takes a, uh, I wouldn't say a whole entire lifetime, but it, it takes longer than just a, a few weeks, a few months to earn respect, especially in a community. And so well-respected means that they've lived with this person, they understand this person, and not that they've never lied in their entire life, but, but it's someone that they can trust. The, the second thing is full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. It's really hard to see the Spirit when someone's full of it. It's actually impossible to physically see the Spirit when someone's full of it, the Spirit. I just now realized that that could mean something else. When someone is full of the Spirit, wow, I can't believe, I, that wasn't on purpose. I apologize. That was not on purpose. When someone is full of the Spirit, we need to look for the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And so again, this is, this is something that we're going to have to live with someone for a while. Because a lot of people can superficially claim Christianity and the Holy Spirit. They can pretend because um, you'll see that some people want to be a part of a church strictly for the, the networking possibilities. Um, because hopefully we are a good community to be a part of. 
And so aside from Christ, if you don't believe in Christ and you're still a part of this community, like you get hugs every Sunday. You feel welcome. Hopefully that's what we're doing in this community. So not everyone that's here believes in Christ. Not everyone here is full of the Spirit. And so we need to look for fruit in their life. And you can go to Galatians to find that. Every time I try to say the fruit of the Spirit, I, I, I get it wrong and I, I mash it up. I have it memorized. I do. I can say it until I'm in front of people. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. I, I always miss one. It's okay. We look for the fruit. We look for the fruit in their life. Because um, a tree can't produce good fruit when it comes from a bad seed. And so we, we have to see that fruit in their life. And then the last thing is full of wisdom. And I'll say the easiest way for us to determine if someone is full of wisdom is, is if we've seen those two things acted out in their life, the previous two things. So there's a lot of smart people in this world. They can memorize stuff better than me. Um, they, they, they know all the maths and algebras and science and, and whatever, um, but they don't know how to use a blinker, right? Like they... they they don't know how to apply any of that knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And so when we're looking for someone with wisdom, if we're not noticing a theme yet, we need to be with them for a little while. They may understand all the verses and be able to repeat them, but are they living them out? Are they applying them to life? When, when a situation comes up that's difficult, are they resorting to selfish, sinful nature, or are they being wise and, and, and going to prayer and God's word? And so when you're looking for someone that is well-respected, that is full of the Spirit and is wise, you have to be with that person for a while. And so the overall message that we should take from these two verses is church requires time. It requires us to, to be in life together for a period of time, especially when we're trying to determine who should lead um, inside the church. But we can find out that if, if there isn't people willing to step up to leadership, if there isn't people that are well-respected, full of the spirit and wisdom, that means that there's not gonna be any time for uh, the, the, the apostles. They wouldn't have had any time uh, to be in the word and pray because they would have been handling all of these, these other needs. There's not gonna be any time for us to share in the word if nobody steps up to leadership. If nobody steps up to, to take care of the, the, the number two thing, oftentimes we'll, we'll replace the number one thing with the number two thing because we feel that it's more um, needed. And so if we want to distribute the word, we have to make sure that the food and funds gets distributed and people have to step up to be able to do that. Point number four is calling. And so verses uh, five and six. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. Stephen, oh, I, I'm not good with names, okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert of the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So calling, our calling, judging by these, is that the, what we see is there was a problem. They were saying that they're welcoming, they weren't being welcoming, and so then they had a meeting. And the apostles didn't just have this meeting by themselves, it says all of the believers came. And so the, both the, the Greek speaking and the Aramaic speaking, they all came together and they had this meeting. The apostles then said, we need you to pick the seven. 
So the leaders of this, this church said, we need you to pick the seven. They picked the seven and then went back to the apostles and said, do you, do you, what do you think? We picked these guys. And the apostles were like, yeah, that sounds good. Now this is all shortened in just a couple sentences here, mainly just filled with names, but we have to be able to see the, the process that's going on here between the church and the leaders of the church. And, and really what it's saying is that the body of the church is the final say in what is the business of the church. The body of the church is, is the final say in what is the business of the church. If, so again, being part of ministry for the last decade in my life, being a pastor for the last decade, I've seen many people leave church, leave this church and um, my, my previous church I was a part of, I've seen many people leave the church because they do not approve of something that the church is doing. Ultimately, that's their fault. If you are unpleased with the goings-on of this ministry, this body of Christ, you're an arm. You're a leg, you're a kidney, you're a liver, you're a heart, you're the lungs. Like, like we are the body of Christ together. It has nothing to do with this building. It's a, it's a conglomeration of Holy Spirit-filled believers making a church. And so if you are upset with the hand grabbing something, well, tell the hand not to grab something. Like, be a part, be concerned with the business of the church. Are you concerned with who is leading the church? And by concerned, I don't mean there's a problem. <laughs> I mean concerned. You're concerned about the well-being of your children. You're concerned about how your mom is doing. You're concerned with all sorts of things. Our, our, our savings, our car, if we've checked the oil, there's lots of things that we're concerned with. It doesn't mean that there has to be something wrong with it. And so I am not trying to secretly say there is a problem with the leadership of the church. I'm saying, are you concerned? Or the, the opposite of that. So if, if, if it doesn't speak to you by me saying it in the positive, the negative of that would be, do you not really care who's leading the church and what direction the church is going? Because if you aren't concerned with who's leading the church and, and, and the direction of the church, that means you're not. And, and, and that's something you're gonna have to battle with. If you are not concerned with the direction of the church to ensure that the church is spreading the word and distribu distributing food and funds. What are you doing? What are we doing? We're all just hanging on, hoping that it'll go in the right direction. We need to be involved. And so the congregation um, selects the seven. Uh, Stephen is mentioned on purpose, and so this is kind of a side note. Stephen is mentioned on purpose, and he's mentioned first on purpose, and it's also with the little parentheses up there. That's all on purpose because the, what we're going to talk about next Sunday, the, the following chapter and a half deals with the first martyr of Christianity, the first person to die because they were sharing the good news. But there's a point that we need to take from that is that they assigned these seven to distribute, make sure that the food was being distributed correctly. But Stephen dies from sharing the word. And so it doesn't mean that he immediately becoming a leader in the church then just went to distributing food only. 
Next week, we'll go into this in much more depth, but he's martyred, he's killed for sharing the word. And so, yeah, Luke, when telling the story, brings him up first and and talks about him because he's setting up for the next uh, chapter and a half. Um, Philip, out of, out of these, these seven that are, that are mentioned, Philip is the only other one that's mentioned in, in chapter 8, verses 5 through 40. And then the other five, um, there's a lot of uh, speculation of, of what may have come of them or, or uh, happened to them, but we don't, we don't really hear anything else about them um, moving forward in the, in the New Testament, especially, you know, the book of Acts as we go through. Um, but Philip, we'll see, is, is kind of a partner with John, and then Stephen is the first martyr. And then, and then what the apostles do, once, once the church brings these leaders to them, the apostles then but just show their approval. And so what we want to see with the leadership of church, and so the way the Glasgow Evangelical Church is set up is there is, is a couple different um, bodies that, that govern the, the leadership um, because you, you don't just give one body all of, all of the power. And so we have trustees, which man, manage... Um, insurance and, and funds and um, the, the maintenance of the building and a lot of what this would be talking about here would be kind of trustees. Uh, we have uh, Pastor Parish. It's a group of people that, uh, that, it's in the title, they handle the relationship between the pastors and the parish, the parish and the pastors, the congregation and the, the, the staff of the church. And so raises and time off and um, counseling and, and approving. Seth had to go through the pastor prayers to take vacation right now. Uh, then we have a, a church council. The church council, um, Seth is going to define this in the coming months a little bit more clearly than what I'm going to say here. But the church council essentially is just a, a gathering of the, the other leadership things. So like the, the, there's another group that, that handles finances in the church um, and, and women's ministry things. And so all of the, the leaders of those groups and then members at large. And so it's almost like a, a representative body. So when we want to bring stuff to the church, it goes to the, the essentially it goes to the church council and the church council speaks on behalf of, of the congregation. Um, to, to kind of go through what the process is here. And so the apostles make a suggestion. So uh, I do not want to say that Seth, myself, Breezy, the staff of the church are apostles. By no means are we apostles. Um, but that's kind of the replacement you get here. The leaders of the church will make a suggestion to the council. And then the council will say, this is what we want done. And then the pastors carry it out. The, the, the leaders carry it out. But it's not just the pastors willy-nilly... Um, it, just ask somebody that's on like finance or the council or pastor prayers or trustees how horrible this church would be if the pastors just did whatever they wanted. <laughs> There's so many things we ask for that get turned down, thankfully. Usually about two weeks later, Seth and I go, remember? Remember like a couple weeks ago when we asked about this? I'm so glad they didn't do it. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's the process of how the, the church should be working. And then we get to, we get to the, last, the last one here, the fifth exhortation. Um, and that's in, in verse 7. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I'm gonna, I have to take a drink. My mouth is really dry. This one's, this one's pretty simple. I'm going to read it one more time because I, I took a drink and distracted myself. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. 
When the local church is ministering the word and distributing food and funds, the church will grow. When the local church is ministering the word and distributing food and funds, the church will grow. This is, the, this is the purpose of the church. This is the purpose, and, and I hate saying church because even my mind goes to like this building and Sundays and, and I, I, it's the purpose of us, of us, we believers filled with the Holy Spirit. When, when we believers filled with the Holy Spirit are are distributing the word, administering the word, and distributing food and funds, more believers filled with the Holy Spirit will happen. The church will grow. And so we're not just the church in here on Sundays. This is, this is mission work six days a week. We come back here to be filled with the word, to get our cups filled, to see each other again, to build each other up so that we can go out and distribute the word and distribute food and funds. That's our goal. It doesn't really happen on a Sunday that needy people in our community come and get food and funds, right? Have we ever had a church service where we brought in some people that were like needy and brought them up to the front and gave them food and paid the rent? No, that's six days a week. That's when this ministry, using, using church tithing, takes care of things. But it doesn't just have to be Pastor Seth or a couple different people. Us, we, the church, the body of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit can be doing that six days a week. Your, your, your work for God can be distributing the word while you're at work, while you're in the marketplace, while you get pulled over for speeding, while you're hunting, while you're fishing, while you're at the lake, while you're at the gas station. Are you concerned with distributing the word? Are you concerned with sharing the gospel? And Seth and I actually had this conversation uh, just, a, just a couple weeks ago, and and. Because he's not here, I'm totally going to share uh, what I probably shouldn't. But he was just like, it's so hard in casual conversation to bring up God. I said, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. It takes intentionality. And, and so think about it. Let's think about our lives for just a second. Think of your favorite hobby. Your favorite thing to do. Mine is definitely fishing. Somebody could be talking to me about how to um, correctly change a tire on their car. And I will think of three different stories where I needed to do that while fishing. <laughs> so I can redirect the conversation to something that I want to talk about. And so I've gone on several fishing trips where the trailer tire goes out, or the truck tire. We had one fishing trip where three tires blew out before we got to the lake. See, that was easy. I just converted the conversation from talking about tires to talking about what I wanted to talk about, which was fishing. So, if we really care about something and believe in something, it's really easy 
to divert the conversation, to give God glory in our lives. That's the easiest one I always find, is when somebody talks about what's going on in their life and what's going on in your life, and you're having this, this conversation of caring about others and asking questions, you can give glory to God. That's a really easy way to do that. Or explain how through the problems you're going through, God is acting. Or you're being patient and waiting. How is God speaking to you in those, those moments? But we really need to figure out a way to distribute the word of God, not just on a Sunday morning. Think about this. If, if you are a non-Christian in here, there was a lot of work to get you into this building. But my fear is there's not a lot of non-Christians in here today. Because it's a lot of work to get someone in this building in today's day and age. The way the church should be working is we should all have our first concern of distributing the word. They need to know about Jesus, about Christ, about salvation, about joy, about where they can find value in their life from you. They need to find that out from you and then get confirmation when they come here and the rest of the believers and we all believe the same thing. And we're teaching the same thing from up front. That's when the church is really going to work. And sometimes those people are going to have closed ears. They're not going to hear. Closed minds, they're not going to hear. So you have to give them food and money. And so you try to give them the word and you realize it's not working. So just give them some of your food and money. Not even because they're needy. Invite them to dinner. Sit them down at your dinner table. Pray for that meal. Talk about how God is working in your life. My favorite thing as a youth pastor and what we did with student leadership is every single Tuesday we ate together. It's biblical. And second, it tears down walls. When someone's shoving their food, their food, their face full of a delicious hamburger that you made on the grill or whatever your favorite food is or cheesecake or dessert or corn on the cob and you have food stuck in your teeth, that's the best time. When you're eating cheesecake, you're not thinking about stop the Christian from talking. You're like, this would be better with strawberries, right? Like we're thinking about other things. And so the, the reason that we distribute food and funds is because that's what people need to live. When we give them those things, they're open to hearing the first priority, which is distributing the word. Talk long enough. We have communion today. Before we get into communion, let's, let's go over the, the five points one more time just to make sure that, that as a public speaker, I am reviewing what we've gone over. And so in these, these seven verses, which at first feel on the surface very boring, we have five things that we can take and apply to our lives. Do you see clicks in this ministry? Some of you right now may be thinking in your head of specific clicks. Be a good Christian brother and sister and let those people know because there's other of us, others of us in this room right now that are going, I don't see any clicks. You're probably part of one. If you don't see any clicks in this ministry, you are probably deeply embedded into a click. Not 100%, I'm just saying that's, that, that may be it. What could you do to avoid making someone feel unwelcome in your group? Are you being intentional about inviting people that you don't have that, that commonality? The cool thing about cliques is we could all just be one clique because our commonality is Christ. And so it doesn't matter on our social status, what jobs we have, what things we like talking about, we can all come back to Christ. And so what could you do to avoid making someone feel unwelcome in your group? 
The crucial concerns of the church, the, the number one and number two concerns of the church should be distribution of the word and distribution of food and funds. The church council, the leaders, the people leading the church should have relationship with each other over a period of time and be well-respected, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. Our calling, all of us, believers of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, should be concerned with the business of the church. And again, not just this building, but the distribution of the word and food and funds. And then the fifth one is, is our commission, our charge, our other C word. When the local church is ministering the word and distributing food and funds, the church will grow. This is a promise. I know that this is a promise. It doesn't specifically say that it's a promise, but this is a promise. If we are distributing these two things, our ministry will grow. Not just attendees on a Sunday morning, but the people that you interact with in your life that, that will call themselves Christians will grow. And so next I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip forward to 1 Corinthians because we find um, there, there's a, a, a direct correlation um, between the next couple chapters and the writer of, of Corinthians. And Saul is going to be, we're going to talk about Saul next week, um, probably one of the main reasons that, that Stephen gets martyred. But Saul gets converted in Acts chapter 9 to Paul. And the apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. And so get this. This is, this is really cool. Starting in verse 17 in chapter 11. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. I didn't plan that this week would be communion. I didn't plan that these are the verses that we would be doing, um, Acts 1, or 6, 1 through 7. But Paul is talking about divisions. He's talking about cliques right now, right now. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you you who have God's approval will be recognized. And so then, then you, would, you would see in this verse 19, with the divisions, you will see those that are well-respected, full of the Spirit, and wise. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry and eat your own meal without sharing with others. So the di distribution of food isn't happening correctly because you have a bunch of clicks and you're not concerned about the Word. That's, that's what Paul's talking about here. A few years later to the church in Corinth, he's repeating the first problems that they were having in Acts chapter six. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. And so the same thing that we just talked about today when Paul is talking about setting up things for the Lord's Supper, which we are going to take part in right now, He's talking about how there's divisions and the food is not being distributed correctly. This is definitely a concern with the church and I think God is trying to tell someone in here something because I did not plan this. But here's the part that, that most of us will hear um, from communion. You, a lot of pastors and, and myself included have done this before. We'll skip 
verses 17 through 22, and we'll go straight to, to verse 23. For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave th- thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this is the cup, or this, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So that's often when we do communion, those are the verses that you'll hear. Sometimes they're split up and you'll drink the cup together and you'll, you'll break the, the bread together and you, you'll, you'll split that up into two parts and then pray and, and eat all together. And that's kind of the, the tradition that, that we have made of it. But then you get down to right after this in verse 27. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that verse again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So the two things that it represents, if unworthily you take part in the Lord's Supper, you are sinning against the two things that, that stand for your salvation. The body that was broken and the blood that was shed on your behalf. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink, drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak, sick, and some of you have even died. But if we could examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. So today what we're going to do is, as I said, the student leaders, and um, you guys can come up now, just come stand here, uh, and Brooke, I'm going to need your help too, so you can come up. And the worship band, uh, it's not the worship band, it's actually Ryan. Ryan is going to be playing music for us. Thank you, Ryan. You can come up. And so what we're going to do is, is what our tradition here is. But I'd like us all, uh, before you get up, and Seth said this before, and, and I just want to ensure that everybody's listening. I hope everybody's listening. If you take part in this and you're not right with Christ, we, as a church, are doing a disservice by bringing judgment upon you. Please, please, stay in your seat and don't take part in the Lord's Supper. Just, it's okay. Nobody's judging you. We're all concerned about getting our own food and drink and making sure that we don't make any mistakes and we're grabbing it right and we're standing in line politely and that we're getting back to our seats correctly. Nobody's watching, so it's okay. Please don't, by any means, feel embarrassed or anything. Just stay where you're at and admit that you are not good with God. Don't try to impress your parents. Don't try to impress your neighbors. Be honest about your relationship with Christ. Stay where you are. If you love Jesus, you understand that you are a sinner, take a few seconds. As soon as we're we're ready to start, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have like 
a few seconds of, of silence as Ryan's playing to just pray on your own, quietly, out loud, on your knees, in your seat, standing up, laying down, however you would like. But pray on your own to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and admit how much you need him. Admit the sins that you have going on in your life right now. Admit how much you need his help to distribute his word and his food and his funds. And so take a few seconds, take a minute, take two minutes and just, and just you and Jesus, you don't need me. You and Jesus, that's the amazing thing about Christianity, you do not need a pastor. It's just, you've got a direct line to Jesus. Then, when you're ready, you're gonna stand up on your own free will and you can either come up this middle aisle, that aisle, or that aisle, and we're gonna have some people standing here, right here, and right here, and we're gonna have bread that's broken up, and we're gonna have juice, and the reason we choose juice instead of wine, wine is what was biblical, we choose juice because there's a problem with alcoholism, and we do not want to cause another to stumble, and so we're gonna pretend that our juice is really old, and it's fermented, okay? You just pretend, it's okay because we're also pretending that it's the blood of Christ. It's not really the blood of Christ, we're pretending. And so we can all pretend that it's wine, it's fine. So you're gonna grab those things and then walk to the sides. And so you can get on the sides and you can, you can partake right there once you get kind of out of the way. Um, or you can go back to your seats by, by taking the outside two lanes, get back to your seats and at your seat as a family, if that's what you'd like to do as friends, on your own, then you can just, you can take of the, the bread and the, the wine as you see fit. And then Ryan will finish up and then I'll come up and I'll, I'll close this in prayer when we're done. And so I'm gonna ask you guys up in the media department that uh, you would dim the lights, kind of how we had it um, with worship. There's one person that will be going around. If you um, are unable to get up and get your own, um, we do have someone assigned. And so you can just raise your hand and they will bring um, bread and wine to you. And also the media department and Ryan, that person will be bringing you some bread and wine as well. So let's have a prayer. Then you're gonna pray on your own and then we're gonna, we're gonna carry this out. Dear Lord, I, I pray, hopefully on behalf of, of everyone here, Lord, we plead with you for real interaction. Lord, may you move our hearts. May you do what only you can do, Lord. And that is encourage us to, to live like they lived in Acts. And, and that, that's being honest with the struggles that we have in church, in ministry, in our lives. Finding solutions to those because we know what the most important thing is. And that is you, Lord. And that is getting your word out there by any means necessary. And so Lord, today, as, as you know the hearts of every single person in this room, you knew everybody that would be here before they were here. Lord, did you interact with us uniquely in our own space as we cry out to you? In your holy name we pray, amen. really let's just all take a real close look at our lives and, and figure out where we fit in in the body of Christ. We know that, that our calling is, is to, to be concerned with where the church is going, but ultimately to share the word, 
and share food and funds. So figure out how you fit into that. Because you do. You, you most definitely do fit into both of those things. Let's pray. Lord, as we remember your body that was broken and your blood that was shed, we're so thankful for salvation that we don't have to work for. Lord, thank you for coming down. Thank you for be, being one of us. Lord, thank you for paying so much. This, it's just unfair. It's unfair that, that, Lord, you paid for all of our sins. Lord, in that unfairness, may it give us the motivation through the Holy Spirit to, to share your word, to share your good news, that no longer do we have to follow a bunch of rules and laws, but, Lord, we can just follow you. You're going to call us to many different things, but most importantly, to share you and share what you've blessed us with. So Lord, may we uniquely find ways to do that in our own lives so that this church can reach this community. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.